Welcome to the podcast, Rooted, where we're establishing the truth about all things hair. Connecting synergy between the beauty and mental wellness profession. Your host, Morale O'Kane. Hello, welcome to the Hair Debate Podcast. The Hair Debate is a community where hair lovers and professionals come together to discuss and clear up misconceptions. So I tell you, Ashley, we are here to debate and debunk these topics. Yes, I am the founder, Morello Kane. I am a trichologist, author, speaker. Uh, when I tell you hair loss expert, I love talking about the things that's going to create and change us here in the industry. And so um, I have the company of having in my presence with me today, Ms. Ashley Patterson of, okay, Life in the Ash Lane. How are you, love? I am well. Thank you so much for having me. It is a pleasure. It is. And we are going to talk about some things. But first, before we get into the topic, okay, let's talk about here. I would like for you to just introduce who you are. Okay. You know, what you're doing right now currently, what you are actually moving into as well. Absolutely. Thank you. So my name is Ashley. Everybody knows me as Ash. I'm the owner of The Ladies Room, which is a full service female only salon in Nashville, Tennessee. I have been a licensed hairstylist for 17 years. I know I look like a baby, but for 17 years, I have been taking care of the women who take care of everyone else. I love my career. I love my my passion and my purpose. My purpose is to help and encourage and motivate and inspire. And for 17 years, I've been doing it behind the chair by helping women to enhance their beauty with through hair. But I am now putting my toe out there in that content creating space. So um, you all can find me on TikTok um, through the handle of life in the Ash Lane where I talk about anything that can encourage and empower the black community. But my background is hair. That's what I do every day, all day. That's love. So, so that we know, you know that. We yeah, know I know that. that. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Uh, when I tell you so, guys, so let me just say that we're going to truly dive into unlicensed um, cosmetologists, okay? Mm-hmm. Hairstylists. And so it's the pearls of the unlicensed hairstylist and so now when it comes to our profession and you being a cosmetologist yourself mm-hmm. um, it is clearly you know we've done the work of going in you know um we have the credentials behind us but now there are many and this is, has been going on for many years we know this mm-hmm. many years okay but now where should we be right now when it comes to the professionalism and us accepting, you know, the fact that it's okay to work in this industry and be unlicensed as a professional? So I will start with this. I think we all started in somebody's kitchen, Absolutely. in our bedroom, in the basement. I think every hairstylist has operated without a license at some point in time in their career. That's how we start. So I am not opposed to people seeing if it's something that they really want to do before they invest 1500 hours and tens of thousands of dollars in school. That's right. The the problem that I have is they are starting to deregulate a lot of our licensing. So like in the state of Tennessee, you no longer need any cosmetology hours to be a licensed braider. 
You just need 1,800, uh, 18 hours of sanitation wow. to be a licensed braider here in Tennessee. Okay. So it has deregulated and to me diminished the real investment that licensed hairstylists have made. I am okay with you seeing if that's what you want to do yes. before you make the full investment, but I am not okay with you operating with no license, no training, no certifications for, for five, 10 years and charging the same amount that I'm charging. That's right. Because that's right. We are, we are not the same. And this is not me being a hater. If that's how you start, great. But I need you to be confident in your skill set to invest in yourself, to become licensed, so that it can be a standard in the industry. We're losing the standard because now everybody just wants to come in, make some quick money that's right. and leave. And that's that's not okay, in my opinion. Okay. No, you are absolutely correct. I definitely agree with you. You know, but then to also add to that, I just don't like how, you know, you go and advise services when it comes to proper hair care. Mm -hmm. You are advising and not truly understanding that there is science behind uh -huh. hair care. Absolutely. Absolutely. I do believe that if you are considering yourself a stylist, but you have no formal training, you have taken no type of accreditation, no hours. I think you open yourself up to liability when you are making those recommendations and you are offering services, not understanding what the implications can come with it. Some of these people, not all, because some people, now listen, we know there are some licensed hairstylists that can slay some hair, unlicensed, excuse me. Yeah. There are some unlicensed hairstylists right. that are better than me, better than people who've been doing it 20 years. Yes. Because they have a natural skill. Yes. However, you need the training behind it so you can understand what blood pressure medication will do to someone's hair. You need to understand the adverse reaction to allergic to allergies and and you will only get that through training. So I just want people to protect themselves and I want you to be able to offer the highest quality service possible mm -hmm. and how can you do that if you don't have all the knowledge and education needed to do so? No, uh, you are absolutely correct, Ashley. That's the part where I feel should um, definitely, you know, like you said, you know, you've been servicing hair. You have the gift. You are great. You are bad mm -hmm. stylist. But when mm -hmm. you have hair care, now for the clients, for the consumers, the community, mm -hmm. you know, I just need for you guys to ask questions. You know, ask the individual if they are licensed. Mm -hmm. continuing their education because mm -hmm. they are getting this information into the individuals that are the professionals that's continuing the education then they are challenging them with the mis mm -hmm. with the misinformation that they are receiving they will get into a whole argument and want to challenge then the individual that is licensed you know, mm -hmm. offer some information they have received. I wish that YouTube had a way um, mm. of, yes, placing some guidelines in there because they have an entire university, a whole yeah. platform where their voice is being heard and it's loud. Mm -hmm. And it's loud. Well, if I could, so YouTube is great for many, many things, but I tell people, especially my clients all the time, you use it at your own risk. 
So if you have a naturalista that has figured out the perfect curl method for her hair, do you have the same density? Do you have the same porosity? Do you have the same pattern? What worked for her may not work for you. And so, yeah, you can use it as a recommendation, as a place to start a baseline, but that's not customized for you. So you challenging my 17 years of experience and my state regulated license based on something that you found on YouTube or based on something that the popular celebrity stylist told you, oh, I don't, I don't know. Listen, by all means, use what you think is best for you, but I think they use that information at their own risk. And so whatever consequences come with that risk, that's kind of what they're opening themselves up to as the consumer. I think people oftentimes trust based on what looks good instead of basing on what is good and having a license is good. I'm, I'm sorry. It's just, no, no, okay. it is what it is. No, it is. It is. But, okay. So now going into the part of what you were just stating, you know, um, some of these individuals, they start out, you know, and they start out working on family members, friends. Mm -hmm. That's how I started. That's how I started. <laughs> okay. But then say now they're servicing someone and this person becomes famous. Mm -hmm. so, so, so in the interim, they're famous, but now you are. Yeah. Okay. So, so now, you know, should we, you know, in, in, in the, in the light of, you know, that they're walking into, mm -hmm. um, how fair is it for us to then put them on a pedestal? Like they're this great hairstylist because now, you know, of them servicing someone that was famous and now they're in that spotlight as well. So great question. In my opinion, I think when you have a God given talent and a skill and a gift, you are already two, three steps ahead. That's why that unlicensed stylist got the attention of the celebrity or someone becoming a celebrity. So use that to your advantage, but I still need you to have the credentials behind your name That's because right. how many people do we know can really cook at home? Right. They, they don't have a commercial kitchen in sight, but they can cook. Their food ends up in the hands of somebody who loves it. it you still need to go get that commercial kitchen. That's true. You because the liabilities and the risk that you're opening yourself up to, it's all great as long as everybody loves you. That's but right. the first time that you have a negative issue, you're going to want to have some things behind you to protect you. Absolutely. So Absolutely. I am all for you using those opportunities to propel yourself, but be getting them hours in the evening time when you can. That's right. That's right. That's right. Uh, because you know what, you know, for me, when I was coming up, um, I did not want to be a hairstylist. I had the gift. Yeah. But, but what I saw was a lot of unprofessional style. You know, I, I saw that it was a, a mm -hmm. unprofessionalism that was going on. And I did not want to be in that light. I, I, Absolutely. You know, but now um, my godmother is um, mixed cultural and so when i would go to her hairstylist which by happened you know to be um a white professional then i saw totally different experience oh i mean very different very different mm -hmm. and so i'm from alabama you know and so when i went back home and visit during the summers i was like what i saw for myself was not mm -hmm. you know a great representation 
But then also too, in when we go online and fill out some of these forms, you know, when I'm looking for my industry, it's not listed. And so, mm-hmm. you know, and so it shows me the respect, you know, um, from a from a government aspect of how they see and view our industry. Gotcha. You know, and so mm-hmm. to me, these are the changes that needs to go forth is, you know, um, I think a lot of us need to show our faces more, you know, um, in the educational realm, you know, with the children, mm-hmm. uh, we, they need to see what our industry truly looks like and what professionalism gotcha. definitely looks like, you know. I can definitely agree with that. You know, and, and for me, I think they're not seeing enough of that. When prior to me getting my license, I had someone that was close to me. Her daughter, you know, indicated that she wanted to be a hairstylist. And the mom was like, oh, no. Oh, no, no, you would not. And I was just like, wow. Yeah. So she definitely had the gift, but was truly discouraged. But again, yeah. it is from the perception of what is professional and, you know, as far as this industry. And so I would I would love to add into that. Um, so I really pride myself in setting an experience that is unmatched. Yeah. The level of professionalism that I offer in my salon is why I have the type of clientele that I have. Yeah. Um, and in all honesty, my family was not fully in support of me being a cosmetologist because it's looked at as a hobby based on how the other stylists have treated it. Um, however, this hobby is paying me very well. <laughs> and this, this hobby has treated me very well. But it is because I set a standard from day one that this is a career and a business. Yeah. This is not a hobby. And I agree with you that we need more representation of professional licensed cosmetologists. We, I like to, to call, I'm old school. I, I call my hairdresser. I, I'm showing up on time. I'm growing your hair. I'm making sure that it looks nice as well. Yes. To me, I see a lot of new generation of stylists come out. Yes. They don't care anything about the health of your hair because all. the focus is as long as it looks cute and it's photographs well on Instagram. Yeah, that part. But I tell my clients all the time, I love convenience. Yes. I love what makes your life easy. But if they ever stop importing wigs, I need you to be able to pull your hair from up out of this wig and be ready to go. Okay, that part. All right, that part. Yes. Um, <laughs> but then also, too, with that being said, um, you you know, just you, you had some great valid points there. And, um, and so I just need for you guys to understand that outside of just styling hair, okay, um, it's also too about paying taxes, you know, um, you know, outside of, you know, you were getting your license and just being licensed, you know, you need to have registered businesses, you know, you need Mm -hmm. to treat it as a business and not a hustle. You need Agreed. to bring the taxes into it because truly I think that, and now this is just my opinion. Let me just say that um, it's, it's that from a government aspect, they're looking at individuals that are paying into the taxes to help create and build up neighborhoods and communities, you know? And so all of that plays a part when you cheat into that, you're cheating yourself. You're cheating the communities. You know, 
if I could play, oh gosh, because this right here. This is, her, this is her area. Come on out with This right here. So I want to emphasize, I say humbly, I do own a salon, but I own a salon with, with teams. Like people work here. Yes. So I am established as an LLC, have been for the last six years. Come on out I pay you. my taxes faithfully. Yes. Um, I see a lot of us, because we are self-employed, you think that cash is king and it is not. You need a paper trail. Please. Um, we know, and I don't have a problem telling some of my business. Um, COVID came around yes. and all of that federal funding yes. that y'all, were, some were afraid to get. <laughs> Baby, I was right there giving me everything that's due to me because I paid into it. Yeah. I've done, I have structured my business correctly. Right. I have a paper trail. And I'm just going to say that COVID was, was good to me oh, financially. No, no, for me as well. <laughs> because we were structured properly. Yes. I know some people, and I'm not, I hope I don't step on no toes or tell nobody's business, but if you only claiming $10,000 a year to keep from paying taxes, you'll only have the buying power of $10,000 a year. Hold, hold, hold on one second. Did you guys hear that? Please <laughs> hear it. Please. Okay, say that one more time, love. If you are only claiming $10,000 a year in income, you will only have the buying power of $10,000 a year. Right. How do you scale your business? How do you request funding? How yes. do you show that your business is profitable to potentially sell it later on? How do you do any of that when you only been making $10,000, $15,000 a year? You cannot avoid the taxes. Either you're going to pay those taxes up front by claiming the income or you are going to pay it in opportunities that are lost because you don't have the proper income file. You pick. Do you want to lose it in the front end or the back end? Either way it go, you got to pay it. You will lose it. And you will lose. what I need for you guys to understand is, is again, because how great would it be when you go on and, and, Again, you look, you filling out applications for those loans, mm -hmm. looking for your industry and it's not there, you know? And so, and so guys, we have to think about the generations that's coming. We have to set examples for them. And so I tell you, Ashley Love, so share with us some, some things that you have going on that's coming up. So absolutely. So I just want to be very clear that this is the hair debate podcast and I'm here for everything hair. I am working on my business, my salon being self-sustaining. So yes. in hair, I really feel like God has taken me as far as I need to go. Yes. And I am now I am now sharing all my knowledge with the team that I have on staff now. But my future is in life in the ash lane, my digital content brand that i'm creating you can find me on tiktok where i'm i'm doing my thing over there so yep. tiktok is life in the ash lane you can find me on youtube life in the ash lane and i have a blog um called love follow me where i am using my life as a real life example of what we should and should not be doing and you can follow me as a way to figure it out we're gonna figure it out together so those are the things that i have happening on a day-to-day and yeah, that's it. Well, well, I am here to support you, Ashley. Anything you. I can do, I would love to participate and be a part of that. Anything that's changing the community and creating yeah. an impact, I'm definitely for it. And I appreciate so, that. And so when I tell you, um, definitely you need to follow um, Ashley because, again, 
you know, she's doing some great things and it's all about community change. Mm -hmm. So thank you for being on the front line of in that. And so I tell you, today has been um, a great day. I, I appreciate the time that you've had with me on this podcast. And we'd love to have you back at some time for us to talk about some girl power or, you know, talk to these girls. Absolutely. And um, and just being powerful behind that. And so, again, my name is Morello Kane. This is the Hair Debate, the platform where we come to debunk, debate, and discover all things hair. Thank you for joining today's episode of Rooted. Visit MoraloKane.com. Follow us on all social media at The Hair Debate and at Morello Kane. Don't forget to like and share.